Hello, I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, but for more info and business brunch related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. My name is Ben Thompson, owner of Topham and Terry Recruitment and indeed the Oxford Business Community Network. And my name is Mike Foster, the Entrepreneur's Mentor. Now, can you believe it's February already? And we hope our show continues to bring you tips and thoughts to help you have the best year to date. Now, today, we're again be discussing a topic that you, the listeners, tell us is of interest. And our topic for this show was suggested by Rich Craven of the Mountain Pot Show was on Get Radio each Thursday. Now on today's show, we've invited a guest to join us and share their knowledge, experience and expertise. And they're Jill Carver of Added Ingredients in Abenham. Now Ben, my question for you this week is, how have the hospitality business and the high street needed to adjust to the challenges of the last couple of years? That's a great question as always, Mike. Um, and later in the show, we'll be discussing this further with Jill. Um, we're going to explore her story and her indeed her vast experience and expertise in this area. And I'm sure, as always, we'll talk about some general business. This is the Business Brunch with Better Mike. We'll be introducing Jill after this. Get radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Better Mike on Get Radio. And today I'm really um, delighted to be joined by Jill Carver of Added Ingredients. Welcome, Jill. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, Jill. So start by telling the listeners all about you, um, your background, and indeed Added Ingredients. Right. Welcome all. I will work backwards on this one because quite a few people will have noticed that added ingredients on a high street is no longer there. I got COVID last year, one of many people, in fact, exactly a year ago, and thought it. I needed a break. It hit me really hard. So I took last summer off with the intention of coming back to a slightly revamped business. And we'll keep on talking about that. So this was going to be the next change. The change was bigger than I expected because I got long COVID and there is no way I can actually run the shop anymore. So I had to um, put the shop up police. It is my building, so I'm lucky there. And I chose from nine applicants the one that I thought would be best for the town. So that's Stuart Fanson, and we can talk about that going forward. Let's go backwards first, then we'll catch up to the beginning. So for 20 years, I ran added ingredients. And during that time, it went through very many phases. It started as a deli. It became a deli and a cafe. It became a deli, a cafe and a cookshop, a deli, a cafe, a cookshop, a wine place, selling kitchenware, being a wine merchant, outside catering, in-house events, attending some markets. But we can. I think that's really what the whole topic for today is. Before I did that, this was a total change for me. Before that, I did that, I was 20 years in software houses and consultancy houses in the account management side, implementing financial systems worldwide. Before that, I did a BA degree, a business studies degree. I did uh, English teaching over in Iran for just over 18 months or so. And before that, I was at the HSBC data centers on their trainee computer programmer thing for a year. And before that, I worked in a small hotel throughout my school life. So I've had a 
bit of a varied time. I think I can change direction when needed to. Does that give you an idea of where I am? And then we can move forward. But that's that's my extremely potted history, which isn't very potted because I went on a bit. Amazing. Okay. No, perfect. Now, it's always nice to uh, tell the listeners a little bit more about, about the guests that we have on. Um, and to continue that theme, um, you have kindly chosen a song for the listeners this morning. I have. What is your song choice and why have you picked it? My song choice is Shining Bright. And I I looked at a whole number of songs, which I really like. But this one just, it speaks of energy and of just getting on with it and doing it. And I've seen this lady perform this live. And I tell you, she must be in her 70s now. I saw her a couple of years ago. She sits at that piano. She sings. She taps her foot. She's a live wire. And she just shouts energy and getting on with it. And it's just brilliant. It just reminds me that it really sometimes you just got to do it. Go up there and do it. Oxfordshire Station, Get Radio. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Before that song, we were talking to Jill about her knowledge, experience and expertise, which we're looking to share with you today when we talk about another topical issue that we know is impacting local businesses because of the feedback of our listeners. Today, we're talking about hospitality in the high streets and how they've adjusted to the challenges of recent years. And for this part of the show, we are going to welcome back Jill and have a chat with her about her experience. So Jill, just to kick off then, I know you've got a wider experience than what you've also introduced in terms of past relationships with Chamber of Commerce, etc. So from your experience, your observations and knowledge, etc., how have you seen hospitality in the high street being impacted over the last couple of years? The last couple of years, I've seen a downturn in the high street and hospitality all around the country. Some people will try and say it's an Abingdon problem. It really isn't. We're just one of many that are feeling the same things that are happening because of the cost of living crisis and everything else that's going on. I also believe that these things are almost cyclical. So when I moved into Sturt Street 20 years ago, half of the shops were empty. It then came up and we got to the fact that just, I think we had a period when every single shop was full and then we started to decline again. And now we're coming up again. We've had Stuart opening and added ingredients and we've had a cake shop opening across the road as well, both in the last two months. So we're going again. It's been a difficult time. COVID was an absolute killer for all of us. We worked through it. We stayed open and looked after customers, did delivery services, tried to get extra stuff in that people wanted when things like pasta were running out of the supermarkets. And we literally just kept the doors open, both sides, never closed the front door for over two and a half years. And as soon as you opened it, open the shop, open the door, get the air, keeping going and adapted in all sorts of ways. And everybody had to didn't work for everybody. Some people, loads of people went under and it's made a difference going forward. The customer base has changed. The customer reaction to what they're looking for and what they're willing to spend money on has changed. And again, yet again, we've got to, within the retail and hospitality industry, react to that. You know, you cannot stand still. You've got to keep moving forward. Hard work, but it's got to be done. One of the phrases that was used a lot during the during COVID um, was the word pivot. Um, and I think certainly knowing you um, and, and based, of, based on your introduction as well, pivot has been a word that you've, you've done a lot of. What, what have you seen under that umbrella of pivoting? And was pivoting a thing before COVID or, or, or was it just a phrase we hadn't heard of? I, I think it was a phrase beforehand. I think if you're if it's your own small business, you need to always be willing to pivot. You run a small business, Ben. I think you do as well, Mike. Everybody says it, it's a lifestyle choice. Well, is it? You know, does the does the business run your life or do you run the business? I think you've got to come into it with an awful lot of passion and you've got to believe in what you're trying to do. 
but you can't just stick with that. You've got to be willing all the time to look out there and see which way the market's going and, and react to your customers. Not all the time. You don't want to do everything a customer asks of you because that's an absolute downfall, but you have to be aware of it and you have to pivot. You have to be able to stand on that spot and turn around and do something else. So, for example, during COVID, we closed the cafe. We closed the outside catering. We closed the events, uh, all out of necessity. But that means that we closed down about 45% of the business. So what do you do then? You've still got staff. You've still got, you're trying to run it. You're trying to keep going. So you have to look for other ways to do it. So you have to immediately go, okay, what do we do now? So we, we expanded the range that we sold. We expanded the delivery service we offered. So it was just a case of, okay, new set of circumstances. Right, let's think about it. Let's do it. And I always try and say to people, you know, every business needs a business plan, but business plans cannot be set in stone. You have to be willing and able to move on, move with the times. Even if it's your absolute precious, precious idea that you're having to move slightly away from, sometimes you've just got to, you've got to be willing to do that. I love one of the phrases you used just a moment ago, actually, where you can't stand still. I think that's a, a great summary of, of all of that, really. And I think, you know, you've obviously demonstrated from just starting as a deli to then including the cafe, the cook shop and yeah. the, the wine yeah. is that yeah. ability to pivot and listen to listen to your market, I guess. One of the things I think is really interesting for something you said earlier about now you have the shop and you took nine applications of interest and you chose one. Mm -hmm. things you said that I think is quite interesting I don't think enough um, businesses think about is the location and whether the town that they want to base themselves is the right demographic or the right environment for that that so tell us a little bit more about that choice and and why that was the right fit yeah I I did look at the applicants from two points of view one would they give me a steady income and would they treat the building correctly and would they be good tenants Um, because obviously I need to do that because if I'm not earning from the shop I need to be earning from a rent Um, But also, I was very considerate on trying to bring something different into the town. You know, I think I might have just been absolutely slaughtered by all of my customer base if I'd let another nail bar open or another coffee shop open or another Turkish barbers open. I, I, I just I don't think they'd allow me to live in the town anymore. And I wouldn't want any of that because I wanted to bring something new and different to the town. And amazingly, what Stuart has set up is not too far from a revamp that I was considering anyway. I was very much considering on my return in September of expanding the drinks area and cutting down on the very time consuming and not very profitable deli area. So I was going to go through another change. As it happens, Stuart is that much younger and has got a vision of his own that's a much more established vision. Mine was still very much. I, I think there's a market somewhere in that area, but I'm not sure what it is. Stuart's come in going, I know this is going to work, Jill. I'm going to make this work. This is what this is what we need now. And we didn't have a bottle shop and mini, whatever he's calling it, tasting bar in town. So I, I hope this is going to work out as a positive for the town and a positive for me in that I get my rent paid. Also, it's given me a, and here we go, pivoting again, it's given me an outlet for my wines. So as much as it's his bottle shop, he came in with all the skills and knowledge of craft beers and spirits, but not so much knowledge of wine. So we've done a little bit of a combination there. So his shop, his deal, 
my little wine corner. Perfect. Work together. Amazing. Amazing. No, collaboration is certainly something that is really showing there. And actually, um, something that's very consistent across across small businesses all across Oxfordshire. Um, Thank you so much, Jill, for your thoughts so far. We'll continue the conversation after this. The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Before that song, we are speaking with our guest, um, Jill Carver of Added Ingredients, um, really about her journey of running Added Ingredients over the last 20 years. And we were just getting on to what is in the building now. So you, you did touch on it, but talk to me more about, I guess, kind of from your own perspective in terms of Stuart's business, um, what, what they do and um, really kind of why, why should be, people go and have a look? Oh, people should go and have a look. It's growing. Um, one of the things he was very worried at the beginning, he wanted to start with everything in place. And during chats we had, he started without everything in place, but with enough in place. So it's fascinating because every time you go in there, there's something else. So he's managed to chill his beers, his draft beers more. He's managing to get out there and brew more beers and get them on sale. He's expanding his range of beers. He's changing the layout because obviously, although he'd run a pub before, he'd never been in retail. And this is sort of a lovely mixture of retail and hospitality. So he's having to manoeuvre things around and learning as he goes to a large degree. But that's absolutely fine. You know, I, I pop in and out. We have a chat, but it's this is Stuart's baby and it's new and interesting and exciting. He's taken on the idea of events big time in that he did his first event for Burns Night, his first paid event. Um, but he's also set up two evenings. I can't remember which ones they are. I think it's the last Monday in the week. No, that have to look on the website, um, on the social media. He set up an evening called Beer Buddies. Um, he doesn't think men have the opportunity to talk enough um, on a well-being type scenario. So one evening a month, he's closing at eight o'clock, as he always does, pulling the blinds down, and men can go in for a chat, cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a pint, talk or not talk, listen, just space to to be there. And I think that's brilliant of him. And Mm -hmm. he's set up another one, which will be running tonight, the first time, where he's asking home brewers to come along with a sample. And after eight o'clock when he shuts, They'll all sit down and they can sample each other's beers. So again, great community Mm -hmm. thoughts. Absolutely brilliant. Exactly what I wanted in there. And very much a continuation in a slightly different customer base. Brilliant. Um, Of what I was always looking to do. I always looking to try and work with the community, bring community together. I mean, we're as a as a society, we're not very good at making it easy to make friends, especially if you're working at home and stuff. You need places to go where you can make your own little community and talk to people. So important. And he's doing a grand job of that. Oh, I love I love this. I love this story. I think it's so rare to find a landlord and uh, a tenant so aligned. And I must admit, I, I, I didn't know you'd actually uh, done the transaction that you mentioned. And I actually was walking down Sturt Street the other day to, to go out for a meal. And uh, yeah. I saw the shop and I thought, oh, Jill's done a done an upgrade on the shop and but it still looks very you as well doesn't it I think it's it's a very nice well, it, sort of mix from it that does. side. yes I mean I'd um of course when I took the summer off trying to get myself better and get the shop better I actually had the shop painted I had a new floor laid I had a new electrics put in so I'd done all that 
because I was reopening in September. So yes, he's, he's come into a building that's like, okay, this is ready. And he's got the shelving and the refrigeration. There. It's fine. It's good. I love seeing new businesses being given an opportunity to get up and go. And that's hopefully what we're managing. No, he, there's no hope. He is achieving. One of the challenges that I know has faced um, the, the high streets and retail, particularly over the last couple of years, has, has been footfall. And I know you've always done a lot of work with your fellow um, yes. businesses to try and get footfall into Abingdon and the challenge that it has. You also in the past have had town centre managers in yes. um, Abingdon who have given a profile to the town as well. So tell us about the pros and cons of, you know, creating Whoa. profile and um, footfall. <laughs> well, here's an example of, of one thing that we really hoped would work. Years ago, we had Choose Abingdon Partnership and we had Heather Brown. Um, running Choose Ambulance Partnership for us. And we worked so hard. And for over a year, um, she was in place for much longer than that. But for, for one particular 12, 13 month period, we had something happening on the marketplace every single Saturday. Every Saturday. So much work. Did it improve footfall? Well, it did for the people in the marketplace, but it didn't do a lot for the, <laughs> anybody around it. And it's, it's such a difficult one. I really don't know the answer. For years, I helped with extravaganza. It was always run by the chamber. We built it up from being an evening thing to being an all-day Saturday thing. And do you know that Saturday would be one of my lowest takings? Because everybody's out there spending, quite rightly, enjoying the time that in the extravaganza we'd set up. And people seem to forget that, you know, however much you put in the town centre, people only have so much money in their hand or they should have, they could often go into credit cards, but let's just keep it simple. They have so much money they should be spending. If they spend that all in the marketplace on people that we've got brought in by market, there isn't the money to spend in the local shops. We always said, we always sold it to businesses as being, look, we've brought the people in and hopefully having seen what a beautiful town Abingdon is, they'll come back another day. <sighs> yes, it works to a degree, but it, I, for all the hard work that went into it, I'm not convinced it was the answer. And I don't know what the answer is, to be honest. I'm I'm drawn an absolute blank. We tried so many things. We did um, time and time again, and these probably did work better, having um, trails around the town. So be it you have to go and find the Easter bunnies in the window, or you have to at Christmas go and find a little, far, you know, a little angel in the windows. Or we had, um, at one stage, we, we drew a map on a postcard of the town, and we had stamps. And you had to go and visit a shop in each of the four quarters. And each quarter of the town had a different coloured stamp. So you had to have like, I can't remember, it was four green, four blue, four yellow, before you'd get put into a drawer and for a raffle. And the raffle prize, I can't remember what it was, but it was really worth having. So it was like, look, you've got to prove to us you have shopped all around town. And that was probably one of the better ones. But the amount of organisation is incredible. And this is being done by volunteers and those volunteers mm -hmm. are people with their own shops and here you go so the amount of times that I and others would have to hire people to stand in our shops that we could go out and try and boost the turnover go and talk to all these shops um to try and get people involved and really that doesn't work you know it's very sad and I, I think Ben earlier you were saying you know working together um, is all part of local business of small businesses. It is, but we need more people to do it. 
A lot of people talk, not everybody acts. You can take that for so long and in the end you just go, I can't do this anymore. But there you go. So yes, there's lots of things and there was lots of positives came out of it, but they're small positives for the amount of work. I'm not sure if the ratio was right. So, so something I'm I'm keen to kind of bit build more on is is that maybe the future of the high street. Um, I, I think that there's a, a, a lot of people that say, um, I want lots of small independence on our high street. Um, I, I I love I love little shops. I love little quirky independence. But actually, in reality, they they still go and do their weekly shop at Tesco's. Um, so so I guess what what can um, those listening at home, um, the councils, the local buyers, what what can they do to um, I guess make it viable for the small independent to continue running in having the area or indeed wider afield? I think a lot of it has to be down to the small independents themselves. There's always a lot of talk about, oh, what the council doesn't do for us. Well, there's very little the town council can do. The town council has very little power in all of this. I mean, it has no right to say as to what goes into any building other than according to the planning laws. People will always go into their big shops where they can get it straight into a supermarket trolley into the back of their sh- cars. I think the high street is going to evolve into what you can't do online, which is why you've got such a proliferation of hairdressers and nails. But the independents that are are working are those that offer more in the way of public contact. So it's events driven. You know, if you have if you get into the habit of of doing, you know, look at many pubs around. How many of them now do quizzes one night, live music another night? It's anything to to get people in, and it's events. It's getting people together. People really seem to need that. And I, I really do think that's the way. You know, mostly books with all their events and they, and never mind all their events, all their school t- work as well. But some um, people love it. You know, coming coming in on a Saturday and doing one of my Palma ham tastings or if I've got a bottle of wine open. I mean, I went through a period, I had something on tasting every Saturday and people would just come in and go, oh, what is it this week? Well, that's great. You've got them into the shop. Once you've got them in, then you've got to persuade them that they need to spend as well. But that's down to you. Um, I can see the high street becoming more of a mixture. I'm, it needs, it does need help. I'm just not sure who, who can help it other than the wider um, central government um, initiatives that are coming up about high street reinvestment. But, you know, we've seen them before. You've got to get the right people working on them in the right way for the particular location. You know, look at the bid we tried. Wow. Golly gosh, that was a, a ride and a that was a hard ride. <laughs> yeah. Who knows why that was such a hard ride, by the way? That's a different story. Different people want so many different things and trying to get tired people who are running their own businesses, who are very busy, who are totally engaged in their own business. And I honestly find also that if a business is failing, a lot of people just withdraw. They don't come out and look for help. They don't come out and want to talk. I mean, the amount of people I'd walk into this, well, I can't do anything because it's only me and my wife or it's only me and I'm running my shop. And I'm like, yeah, so am I. But I've just had to hire someone to come in. I just want your help for a bit. No, you know, it doesn't, I don't know. I, I'm rambling, but that's because my my thoughts ramble, especially the moment of long COVID, but my thoughts ramble with it because I've spent all these years and I'm no nearer a solution. And that's not me. I normally find an answer, but I can't find an answer to this one. Well, thank you, Jill, for your thoughts so far. We will continue the conversation with you um, after this. Discussing topics that impact local businesses and their owners, this is the Business Brunch. 
Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Now, before that song, we were talking to Jill Carver about all her experience and knowledge and things that she's tried in the high street to generate football and the challenges that retail, hospitality and the high street have faced. Uh, Jill, my question is around larger business versus independence because... You in Abingdon had the same frustration I had when I was the Chamber of Commerce president in Didcot when the new shopping yes, development was yes. built and we knew it was going to kill the old Broadway in Didcot um, because where most of the ind- well, where the independents were built uh, were based. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you've got a large pension development in the centre of Abingdon, which gets the investment and obviously impacts the. Um, and I think also then I guess when we move into COVID, it encourages us to do the home shopping. And my challenge between the larger businesses and the independents is the developments get sort of pushed towards the large dependents and they're not really signposting as the smallest. But I see in the habits in retail, particularly in the larger businesses, they're more showrooms now and then they're encouraging yes. you to buy online. So yes. yeah, they want you to go into X shop. I'm not going to name shops that I've been into recently, but there's hardly any staff in there. They want you to browse and then go online and buy, which is totally contradicting what the independents want, where they want you to come in the shop and buy at that point. Have you seen much of that yourself? Yes. Okay. There's, there's different reasons people go shopping locally. Well, there's different reasons people go shopping. And part of the experience of shopping locally is to talk to people. There are a lot of people out there who, if they didn't come out to the local shops, wouldn't talk to anybody from one day to the next. Now, in some ways, in the past, I would say that meant I would, that would be pointing towards the retired group of people. But that's the same now with youngsters who are working at home. So... We, we, as independent small businesses, we operate on two, we, 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 we're almost needing, and actually it, it was almost required of us to, to do two things. One, to provide the retail business, the retail services we're doing, but also to offer the social services. And that is something the big businesses are not at all interested in. I mean, somebody was telling me the other day that there's one of the supermarkets locally where you're not even really allowed to pack your bag as they're shoving it down the aisle. It's like you've got to get it past the barcoder, back into another trolley and off, you know. No chance for a quick chat here, mate. Off you go. But there are different businesses trying to do different things. The I would love to see some of my wholesalers do the sort of thing you're suggesting, Mike, and that I've seen in other shops, bigger shops as well, whereby we just become a showroom. And... I actually suggested it to Le Creuset. Here we go. I used to sell Le Creuset. This is before the big um, John Lewis came into Oxford because that totally destroyed that side of my business. Um, but I was one of the only Le Creuset people around. And my account manager came in and was speaking to me. And she was. we had to come up with a different contract for me because for Le Creuset, you had to have, I can't remember, 12 of the colours on the show and you had to have so many of them. And she walked into me and I said, look, this is my shop. You can see I can't achieve that. It would fill my whole shop. I can't afford the outlay and I can't afford the space. So we came up with a lovely little contract for me, all 26 pages of it, I might add, but in their eyes, a little contract. And that was going fine. And we, she even brought the regional manager on to see it. And I said, what would really help me is if you could give me a tablet whereby people can come in see the range, feel it, feel the weight, see the colours, and then we could get them to order them on your little tablet and they, you could deliver them straight from your house to them. And they were like, 
if we mentioned that to the owner of Le Creuset, he'd wonder which pill we were expecting him to take today. Because it seems it's still privately owned and he is not anywhere near ready to do any of that stuff. But it's an idea that I think needs to be taken up by the big suppliers. And we could be a brilliant, I mean, I was saying to them, we could have been a brilliant showroom for them. And I think that's what we need to be more. But that needs to come down from the top. So I've said to a few of the kitchen, kitchen people I worked with, you know, my customers are your customers. They were very much still seeing me as being their customer. And then I had customers. I'm going, no, because my customers can now get online and order direct from you. Those customers are still your customers, whichever way they do it. So you should be using me as a way of an even better way of achieving the end result of selling your stuff, but sell it on a different angle. And I can see a couple of them are starting to take that idea on board. Amazingly, anybody remember the nursery shop being in yeah. Sturt Street? It moved, I mean, that's another one. That business moved all around town. But when they were in the big building in Sturt Street, the old butchers, they used to sell um, pushchairs. And they also used to sell a great range of wooden toys. And exactly that. You could go in there, you would look at the wooden toys, you could order them there online and they'd be delivered straight to your home so it is possible but we need not just my level not just people on the high street to be rethinking this problem we need the suppliers the manufacturers to be thinking this problem through and to decide the way forward much better to have us explaining what the product is in a showroom out on the high street than it is for people to be sat looking at a picture online and then returning it immediately because it it was bigger than they thought or smaller than they thought or the color wasn't quite right. Let's let's do a combination approach to this and let's all work together and make it happen, make it work. It can work, I'm sure of it. One of the things that you were t- touching on earlier, um, which I thought was quite interesting, is in terms of the waves of retail. So at one point, Sturt Street was full. Um, in the last couple of months, there's, there's been a couple of um, new 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 um, shops yeah. opening. So but I guess kind of with that in mind, um, for those listening at home or listening in their shop or listening in their office that are thinking about setting up a new business or thinking about coming onto the high street, what would be the advice that you would give? What, what would be the approach that you would take? I think, first of all, they've got to be very aware of what it means. And I think few people do come in very naively thinking, oh, this is lovely. I, you know, it's going to be my business and I can do what I like. Your business does run your life. Um, You've got to have a passion for it. You've got to be willing to give it an awful lot of time. And at times it will feel like it's taken over your life. But they've got to have a business plan and they've got to have thought through how much they want it and how much they're going to have that communication with the general public. And we've all seen the shops where people are either just sat behind a desk looking at their computer and ignoring customers that come in um, or just not just not making people feel welcome so you've really got to be a people person you've got to be very uh, patient and um, well-mannered in situations that you may not want to be well-mannered in and you've got to be willing to give it your all and enjoy it and also moving on always remember why you set up that business So if you set it up because you like baking cakes, make sure that your plans, your business plan you've put together 
will allow you to carry on baking the cakes. So as the business expands and you're hiring people and you need HR and you're not aware of your tax situation and you suddenly realise that the ICO, whoever they are, you say at the time, is, is looking to get you to sign up and you've, you've played music and you didn't realise you needed these other uh, contracts and things, have somebody else build into your plan that you can afford to the cost of employing somebody to do all those things. Otherwise, you will get sidelined into doing lots of things you didn't think you were going to do and lose your role doing the one thing that your passion was in and you really wanted to do. I, I love access. That's when I'm talking to my clients, I'm talking about making sure you do something you love, making sure you do something you're good yes, at and something that pays exactly. you well. So I love it. Yes. I'm going to come on to another challenge and I think that's facing um, the high street and hospitality sector right now is all about pricing the squeezing of the profit margin for the businesses yeah. and we're you know we've seen across haven't we the last couple of years increased prices <laughs> in rents maybe rates um, although there's been some support there and particularly in terms of the electricity and energy supplies um, and then you've got the cost of sales where it seems like everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and putting their prices up whether that's correctly that yeah. it's being impacted by fuel so you know i guess that's another challenge where your margins have been and there's only so much you can charge the customer isn't there there is, yes. Margins have been, I, I, my, I certainly my margins went down um, because there is only so much you can charge a customer. So you have to try and get more customers in and it becomes a balancing act. A lot of costs have hit, but they've hit everybody. Um, so prices have gone up. It's, it's a, yeah, it, it's a really difficult one. The, it's also difficult when you remember that the supermarkets and that, or the bigger stores of any sort, have better buying power. So Yes, it'd be cheaper on their shelves because they're getting in cheaper. Never mind the fact that they also expect you to use the self-service tills and there's nobody to tell you anything about the product when you're in there. So it is a balance. So therefore, you have to go out and look for the things that are a little different to make sure that on your shelves or, or the service you're offering is that bit different than you can get from the big boys. Of course, there is also the downside of that, that if you go too far off limb, you can have a product that nobody's heard of. Sounds a great idea, but if they've not heard of it, they don't particularly want to buy it. So then you end up having to do lots of tastings of them, and some people might buy them or some might not, and then you end up with them out of date, of course, in, in the um, food industry. You've got to be on the ball all the time. You've got to be thinking it through all the time. For example, truffle crisps. I tried, I put those in the shop five or six years ago, at least, and they did not sell. I loved them. Good job, because I had a lot to eat. And then... A few years ago, about two, three years afterwards, I brought them into the shop again. They flew out the door, absolutely flew out the door. And it's like, why? My customer base, I don't think it changed that much in between time. But the ideas put forward in foodie magazines and stuff had moved on and people were ready for it. So I have, again, Mike, I don't have the answers. I just, it's just a case of keep working at it. And literally, if you've got things that in the shop, in, on the shelves and waitress puts them on the shelves, Give up, take them off the shelf. It's not worth it. What a way to end the show. But but that unfortunately is the end of the show. So thank you so much um, for, for joining us today, Jill. You you really have given such genuine insight to, to the listeners of, of what, what it is to run a small independent business. So thank you for that. So if you are just tuning in, um, just a reminder, we've had um, Jill Carver of Adam Ingredients. So thank you so much again, Jill, for your time and contribution to your time okay. and the discussion. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. We're back next Sunday with two guests. They're James Craddock and Hamish Law. 
And we'll be discussing the story behind Get Support IT Services, the sponsors of the Breakfast Show with Rich Smith and a leading IT support business here in Oxfordshire. And as a reminder, each week you can now catch us on Get Radio at 11 o'clock each Sunday, as you are today. And then in our podcast format, via your favourite podcast platform each Monday morning. And then don't forget, we'll release our video format via the Get Radio Facebook page each Tuesday. So loads of options for you to catch Ben and I talking with our guests on the business brunch. But for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll see you next week.